This is Sam. And this is Corrine. And we are two Ankh Docs. I never get to say that. So I'm very happy about this episode. And so we're continuing our 2023 updates. And this week's episode will be an intro to breast cancer. As before, there's so much to cover in this space. So it will be a three-part episode. And today we will cover screening, prevention, DCIS, LCIS, and introduce invasive localized disease. I do want to acknowledge and thank Dr. Danny Markabawi, my former co-fellow and breast oncologist, we're helping reviewing these notes and making sure we're up to date. Yes, thank you so much. We're recruiting in the specialists. So as you guys all know, October marks Breast Cancer Awareness Month and breast cancer affects one in eight women. That's a lot. And so Corrine, tell us what are the risk factors for breast cancer? There are a few key risk factors to definitely memorize, including BRCA1 and 2, PALB2, P10 seen in Cowden's disease, ATM, CHECK2, P53 seen in Lefromenes, STK11 seen in puce jeggers, STH1 associated with breast cancer as well as diffuse gastric cancer, as well as a history of thoracic radiation before age 30, LCIS as well as ALH and ADH, atypical lobular and ductor hyperplasia are risk factors for breast cancer, and then older age, early menarche, late menopause, and then an increased number of first-degree relatives with breast cancer can increase the risk. And you can plug some of these into the Gale model. And if someone has a five-year risk of over 1.7%, they are considered at an increased risk. Definitely. So you gave us a lot of really high-yield genetic mutations that we need to be aware of. I feel like Cowden's is always tested on every ITE in our boards. Um, And then also very important to realize the Gale model. And knowing that cutoff of the five-year risk of greater than 1.7 is a high risk, and that does change um, screening as well as possible treatment options for those patients. You guys need to know that walking into boards. So talking about screening, tell me what our recommendations are right now. Different organizations have different recommendations. So the American Cancer Society recommends considering a mammogram starting at age 40. For high-risk women, consider starting at age 30. And then for those with a thoracic radiation history before age 30, you have to do a mammogram eight years after completion of radiation. And then for women that are higher risk, like those with genetic risk factors, you may consider annual breast MRI. And the MRI is indicated when the lifetime risk is more than 20% per the IBIS model. And then this last pearl is definitely a question. And for BRCA patients, they should get mammograms with MRI starting at age 25. Definitely. That is a need to know pearl when you're walking into boards and also in clinical practice. And so what is the usual presentation for patients who have breast cancer? And they usually present to their primary care doctors with these symptoms. Symptoms can include a palpable, painless mass in the breast, enlarged lymph nodes, skin changes, persistent and reproducible unilateral single duct, clear and bloody nipple discharge, or you can have a non-palpable abnormality seen on screening imaging. And if there's anything suspicious, you'll consider further imaging as well as a biopsy. Agreed. And so now let's dive into our some of our non-invasive breast pathology, including LCIS. So what is this and how is it treated? So lobular carcinoma in situ or LCIS is not a cancer in of itself and does not progress to cancer. Unlike DCIS, it was actually removed from the NCCN breast cancer section and moved to the breast cancer screening and diagnosis section. 
And so for classic LCIS, you can consider prevention strategies such as surgery or endocrine therapy. So it is not treatment in LCIS, but rather risk-reducing hormone therapy or risk-reducing endocrine therapy. And so for premenopausal women, that option is tamoxifen. And then for postmenopausal women, it's tamoxifen, raloxifene, or aromatase inhibitors. And the decision is usually based on side effects like bone density loss. Important to know that chemo prevention does not confer an overall survival benefit, only a disease-free survival benefit. And one exception is pleomorphic LCIS, where you do need surgery with negative margins. And generally, there is no role for adjuvant radiation in LCIS. Great. So I think that we obviously, even though this is not a true cancer, um, this is something that we do need to be aware of as oncologists and something that is very testable um, on boards and ITEs. And so moving from LCIS, tell us now about DCIS. What is it and how is it treated? DCIS is ductal carcinoma in site two, and there are two options for treatment. So that's mastectomy or breast conserving lumpectomy with radiation. However, radiation can be omitted in low-risk DCIS, and you do need a two-millimeter negative margin. And then for breast-conserving, those that are ER positive can be considered for five years of endocrine therapy. And of course, if you have a bilateral mastectomy, you do not need endocrine therapy. And if you have endocrine therapy, this reduces the risk of ipsilateral and contralateral breast cancer by 30 to 50% but there is no effect on overall survival. And sentinel lymph node biopsy is also performed at the time of mastectomy for DCIS in case an invasive component were to be found in the surgical specimen because you can't perform sentinel lymph node biopsy post-mastectomy. And then if you have DCIS with microinvasion, so less than five millimeters of invasion, this is generally managed like DCIS. Right. So I think one important thing that you said that I do think people need to be aware of walking into test day is that negative margin of two millimeters. Rarely do we consider how much negative or how much space except for melanoma and also DCIS. So that two millimeter margin is something that we really do need to be aware of as a cutoff. The second thing is, is it makes sense when we're talking about considering five years of hormone therapy afterwards, only if you had breast conserving therapy. And again, like you said, it's con- it's reducing the risk of ipsilateral and contralateral breast tissue. But if you have a mastectomy, the breast tissue is gone. So thus you don't need those. And so before we keep moving on, can you summarize some of our prevention guidelines that we just covered? Yes. Some women like those with high-risk breast features, so ADH, ALH, or LCIS, or a strong family history or a gale of more than 1.7% may be considered for endocrine therapy prevention for five years and tamoxifen is for premenopausal and for postmenopausal, you have more options like tamoxifen, raloxifene, exemestane, or anastrozole. Awesome. And so talking about these medications, I know we've mentioned tamoxifen already a few times for premenopausal women. So what are the side effects that we need to be aware of with tamoxifen? Side effects come up again and again. So for tamoxifen, you have an increased risk of endometrial cancer, blood clots, strokes, cataracts, Menopausal symptoms, weight gain, nausea, hepatic steatosis, or photosensitivity. It does prevent bone loss, but in some premenopausal women, it has been shown to cause bone density loss. And then raloxifene is another selective estrogen receptor modulator, which is only approved in postmenopausal. And this has no risk of endometrial cancer. And really remember that tamoxifen and raloxifene have a black box warning in women with a history of DVTs. 
Great. So I remembered the side effects or the big side effects is the three C's of tamoxifen, cancer, clots, and cataracts. So hopefully that'll help you guys remember those three big side effects as well. And so what about the side effects of the aromatase inhibitors, things like anastrozole that we talked about? So those can cause bone loss and pain, mood changes, fatigue. Arthralgia is the most common side effect. All women should have a bone density checked and they should take calcium and vitamin D. And if there is demonstration of osteopenia or osteoporosis, you should consider bisphosphonates. And that is also highly testable. Definitely. And so I've seen this mentioned a few times, but can you quickly mention um, and talk to us about phylloides tumor and how it's treated? Yes. These are rare breast tumors that start in the connective or stromal tissue in the breast, not the ducts or glands. Most are benign, a small number are malignant, and hormone therapy is not effective. And you need to excise with, with much larger margins of over one centimeter. And then for metastatic malignant tumors, those are treated with taxing-based chemotherapy. And always call your friendly sarcoma specialist. Yeah. Um, there's my little PSA. So now that we're going to, we're going to switch gears from non-invasive to invasive localized breast cancer and get kickstarted on this topic. And so what are our surgical options for these types of tumors? Similar to DCIS, you have the option of breast conserving lumpectomy and radiation versus mastectomy. Awesome. And what is the absolute contraindications for breast conserving therapy? So who has to have a mastectomy? Anyone with inflammatory breast cancer, diffuse calcifications, multifocal disease, grossly positive margins, or homozygous ATM mutation. And what does staging involve in breast cancer? So you'll do a sentinel lymph node biopsy if you have a clinically negative axilla or a negative FNA. And in this procedure, you inject a dye and it will trace to the lymph node. Terrific. And so what is considered a positive lymph node in breast cancer? A deposit of more than 200 cells or at least 0.2 millimeters across is considered a positive lymph node. And so isolated tumor cells defined as under 0.2 millimeter are not considered metastatic for staging purposes and are marked as PN0 with an I plus in parentheses. And then micrometastases are staged as PN1 M little i if they're more than 0.2 millimeters, but less than two millimeters. Great. And so when we start talking about lymph node positivity, who needs an axillary lymph node dissection? Anyone with more than two positive sentinel lymph nodes, a positive FNA, a clinically positive axilla, if you're pregnant or have inflammatory breast cancer, or if you have a positive sentinel lymph node biopsy post-neoadjuvant chemotherapy. And then the ACOG-Z11 trial showed similar outcomes for sentinel lymph node biopsy versus axillary axillary lymph node dissection for tumors that were clinically T1 or T2 with clinically negative lymph nodes with one to two positive sentinel lymph nodes at the time of lumpectomy. So the idea is that radiation should help clear whatever disease is left in the axilla. And this does not apply to patients who receive neoadjuvant chemotherapy. Great. And I think that's extremely important to realize that we're trying to avoid axillary lymph node dissection because of the complications afterwards, like lymphedema. And one other thing, as you said, who needs a lymph node dissection? You mentioned pregnant women, and that's actually because we do not give radiation to women who are pregnant. So unfortunately, that defaults down to the surgery route. And so what is the basic staging for breast cancer? TIS or DCIS. And in terms of the T stage beyond that, T1 are under two centimeters, T2 are two to five centimeters, T3 are more than five centimeters and T4 is anything from the chest wall to the skin with T4D being inflammatory breast cancer. 
And then for N1, it's one to three axillary lymph nodes or internal mammary nodes. N2 are four to nine lymph nodes. And N3 is more than 10 lymph nodes. Or if it spreads to further lymph nodes like infra or supraclavicular, and then M1 is distant organ spread. Great. So this was an awesome first episode and an introduction to uh, re-recording our breast cancer series. And so thank you so much for this. And what are our key takeaways? So make sure you know the risk factors for breast cancer and timing of screening when a breast MRI is needed. For example, in BRCA patients, you need to do mammogram and MRI starting at age 25. Know that LCIS is not cancer, but you can consider risk-reducing surgery or endocrine therapy. For DCIS or TIS, options are lumpectomy with radiation or mastectomy. And if you do breast conservation, consider endocrine therapy. If they're ER positive, there is no overall survival benefit, but it does reduce the risk of ipsilateral and contralateral breast cancer. And for premenopausal, that's tamoxifen. For postmenopausal, that's tamoxifen, raloxifene, or aromatase inhibitors. And make sure you know the basics of staging. So a positive lymph node is 0.2 millimeters or greater. And know when an axillary lymph node dissection is necessary. So for example, if you have more than two positive sentinel lymph nodes, a palpable lymph node or positive FNA. Awesome. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and good luck with studying for boards. We are now in the final countdowns to the boards for 2023. Best of luck. Feel free to reach out to us with any corrections or comments on our Instagram or our Twitter, 2 Docs, and have a great week.